This week's podcast brought to you by Fudgesicles. Took the kids to the library today, and um, our eight-year-old came home, and she did have a book, but she said that at first, when she was looking around, my eye didn't catch on anything. And we knew she meant that nothing caught her eye, but it's actually a better phrase. My eye didn't catch on anything. Like your eye is a pair of pantyhose getting snagged on a book, and I will forever think of it that way now. So much better. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Well, we're down here in the basement at uh, 7 p.m. Fugitives from the law, trying not to be heard by the kids. They don't know we're down here. They'll inevitably come down and interrupt. You thought it would be better to not tell them that we were going down to do the podcast. You were afraid, I think, that if they knew, it would give them reason to uh, to come down here. Actually, the kids were mentioning to me this morning, do you remember last year when we were in Minnesota and you and Dad were trying to do the podcast and one of the cousins was you know, lighting a match near the fire alarm, hoping to make the fire alarm go out, and we... Uh, tied a dog bone to the door so the dogs would jump up and get it and um, I don't think I have as many fond memories about that as the kids do. <laughs> I think all of those efforts were successful by the way but that's summer um, you know I mean I like that they're doing they're tying dog bones to a door to a doorknob in the summer. some creative thinking going on that's for sure. And and a whole lot of my, my personal philosophy is never alert the kids to your presence and never alert them to your absence. They'll discover it quickly enough. And especially if um, you can just alert them to their mother's presence, then uh, then everything works out well. Well, alerting them to my mother to their mother's presence also alerts them to my presence. Okay. Um, but that's summer, man. What what did you do when you were bored out of your mind in the summer as a kid? Um, well, I played basketball in my driveway. I think we've talked about this before. I think one of the reasons uh, I became a good basketball player was because I was bored. I didn't have a, a friend that lived within a mile. I would sometimes ride bikes with my sister, but my biggest way to uh, stem the boredom when I was a kid was to go out and just shoot baskets for hours on end. And um, and it's still how it's still how you keep the boredom at bay by watching basketball for hours on end in the summertime. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't have to watch nearly as much basketball in the summertime as I do in the winter because in the summer, the WNBA has twelve teams versus the NCAA that has hundreds of teams that we have to be aware but, of. But, but you that, don't watch all of the NCAA games. And you do watch all of the WNBA games, and it, it works out to the same number of games almost exactly. No, I don't, I don't think I watch as much, but um, I do enjoy uh, the WNBA. I've mentioned this before is my favorite sport to cover just because the basketball is so good, and it's easy in a lot of ways to keep track of 12 teams, and um, it's just... It's just great. I love the WNBA, but uh, yeah, I don't. I don't put in as many watching basketball hours during the summer so as it's I do your, in the winter. Of the two sports you cover, it's your favorite. It is my favorite. Yes, yeah, so of the two, the the two big sports I cover, and the other one you you also love. I do. Yes, you just love the WNBA a little bit more. I do. What about women's soccer? Now the women's World Cup is going on. Um, we watched. We watched. I mean, the kids were eager to get home the other day, 15 minutes after kickoff for the U.S.-France match. You've never covered it. No. 
I loved watching that. That you was exciting, watching it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I have a little bit of a more of a rooting interest because um, I know Megan Rapinoe a, a very little bit um, through Sue Bird. I've had dinner with the two of them in the past, and um, so it gives you an extra rooting interest when there's someone who's participating that you know a little bit. And in fact, during the 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 game the other day, Megan Rapinoe scored two goals and um, was the star for the U.S. so far in, in the Women's World Cup. You mentioned. Or one of the kids said, didn't you have dinner? One of the kids' friends was over, and she said, wait, Mrs. Russian, you had dinner with Megan Rapinoe? And And our eight-year-old said something like, does she know Alex Morgan? That's exactly what she said. She she was completely unimpressed. Does she know Alex Morgan? (laughs) We said yes. They've played on the same team for years, and yet they've never actually met. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But Alex Morgan is the star of a a Nickelodeon, I think it is, made-for-TV movie, Alex and Me, I think it's called, mm-hmm. where uh, she's visible only to this one uh, child soccer player. It's a very sweet movie, and, and the eight-year-old loves it. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there was a stretch where our, our daughters, our older daughters' um, awareness of the NBA was just based on whatever NBA players had a cameo on one of the Disney or Nickelodeon Chris Bosch was on, on Jesse on right. the Disney Channel. So they all knew... The line, bosh, bosh, oh my gosh, our team's going to kick your tosh, which came up <laughs> in that episode. Yeah, it's it's truly amazing that uh, that that's that was their um, awareness of men's NBA players. Your your soccer experience, though, non-existent, am I, am I right? Playing soccer? Yeah. I played soccer um, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. Um, I was a decent soccer player. I was a very good goalie. Although my team was good, so it was no fun playing goal because I never got any action. But when I was in middle school, our middle school team, our middle school only had field hockey, and our high school only had field hockey. They didn't have girls soccer, so everybody who was an athlete stopped playing soccer after sixth grade and started playing field hockey because that's the sport that was that our, our middle and high school had. Had you gone down that path, would you have been the U.S. Women's National Team keeper? Yes or no? Uh, I would say probably not. So you think you made the right call? I think I probably made the right call, although I was a pretty good field hockey player. Think you could have gone pro? <laughs> no, but most NCAA athletes go pro in something other than As sports. As we know from the commercial, yes, right, because exactly. they can't go pro in the sport they're playing in the NCAA. Right. And to go back to the WNBA and NBA, um, last week on Thursday, I believe, it was announced that Kara Lawson um, was hired as an assistant coach for the Boston Celtics. And um, what just cracked me up about that um, was that I had worked with Kara on Sunday doing the Washington Mystics at Atlanta Dream Game. And on the way home, um, all of our flights, mine, Pam Ward's, Kara's, we were all delayed by a few hours. So we spent a good hour together at the Delta Club in the Atlanta airport. And we were talking to Kara, and um, I asked her specifically about coaching because she's been coaching the three-on-three men's and women's uh, variety of age group, the the teams for USA Basketball. And I asked her if it, you know, if it kind of gave her a bug to coach um, anymore. And, and, And she never once led on to the fact that she was about to become the Celtics and a Celtics assistant. She never even mentioned that she'd had an interview with the Celtics. Like it never came up. Um, she never brought it up, even though it was a question that was, you know, when I asked her about it. 
And so I was cracking up when I saw on Twitter and got a bunch of texts on Thursday, on Thursday saying that she had um, taken the job as a Celtics assistant. I think she'll be terrific. Her brain is very much an NBA coach kind of brain and how it works. And um, this obviously will change our women's college season um, in terms of the announced team because it had been Adam, Amin, Kara, and myself. And now uh, we don't know what the announced team will be. but um, The announced team sits at the announced table. The announced team sits at the announced table, yes. So uh, so anyway, I, I she'll be great, and uh, I'm looking forward to kind of keeping track of um, the Celtics and Kara this com- upcoming NBA season. And she so she was keeping the secret, presumably, as you do. Yeah, un- unless she hadn't been offered the job yet, but well, yeah, she but- certainly didn't tell us that she'd even uh, interviewed for sure. it. Sure, and sometimes you have to sit on these things and stay quiet some are better than others at doing that but you were forbidden were you not to talk about have any discussion of UConn joining the Big East as a member of the UConn Board of Trustees am I right about that yes or are you forbidden to even say that you were forbidden to talk about that is this a non-disclosure agreement that forbids even the disclosure of the non-disclosure agreement itself it's not one of those yeah I've been on the UConn Board of Trustees since 2004 so that's a long time and we voted on on um, UConn joining the Big East on Wednesday at a board of trustees meeting. And um, none of the trustees were allowed to talk about it except for Tom Ritter, our our chairman, um, who made a brief statement at the meeting because the next day in Madison Square Garden, the Big East was making the official announcement. Coach Ramo was there, Danny Hurley was there, President Herbst was there, the UConn president. Anyway, yeah, so I, I was not allowed to talk about it, but I think now, especially since I voted affirmatively that we should join the Big East. I think we can talk about it now. Do you think you think you were allowed to talk about what you talked about in the public meeting that is now quite public? Uh, but as, we didn't talk about it in the complaint. public meeting because we went into executive session, had our board discussion, and then we came out. All, all anyone other than Tom Ritter did was vote in the affirmative or negative, and it was overwhelming. Um, the eyes had it. but uh, Surely you're allowed to talk about what is in the news that UConn has joined the Big right. East? Am I wrong? I, I believe we're allowed to talk about it now. And so I can now say I'm thrilled for the, uh, in particular, the women's basketball team, that they will be in the Big East whenever, uh, I don't know exactly which year that it's going to start, that they'll be playing. The only downside for me personally, and I'm speaking not as a member of the Board of Trustees, but just me personally, is that the Big East television rights are held by Fox which I don't know if that means that now, um, you know, we used to have a bunch of UConn games on, especially, you know, this coming season we have Tennessee, I think Baylor, uh, Oregon. They've got a great schedule. I don't know if when UConn joins the Big East, if that means Fox is going to get all those games. So, you know, all those UConn games, especially the ones that are played in Hartford or in stores that I can drive to, I don't know selfishly now if I'm not going to be able to call those games anymore because they'll be on a different network. And of course, UConn will be reunited in the Big East with Marquette. They will. My alma mater versus your alma mater in a in a titanic, apocalyptic death battle you for Big East women's basketball supremacy. Are we going to make the kids take sides in those games? Like one of them can sit with me on the couch, the other, or, you know, however many of them want to sit with me on the on the Yukon side and how many will be able to sit with you on the Marquette side? Well, or? consider they, they live in Connecticut. They've been indoctrinated into Yukon for yeah. their entire lives. Uh, if this were a custody battle, it might be different, but I can see them siding with Yukon in the Big East uh, wars. 
Well, yesterday I went school supply shopping, of all things, which is a little bit nutty because it was still June. And uh, as we're checking out and, and the young man who was, um, you know, working the register, talking to me that he's There was, a, as frequently happens, a young man checking you out. Yes, right. Exactly. He was he was talking about how he this was his summer job. He goes to the University of Maine. And our eight-year-old, I don't know how it came up, but he, he asked her, you know, are you going to go to the University of Maine? And she looked at him and said, I'm going to UConn. So she's already declared, our eight-year-old has declared uh, 10 years early where she intends to go to college. We're back from a brief pause in the recording. We had to adjudicate, you had to adjudicate a, there's two fudge popsicles left, fudgesicles, I believe they're yes, called. Fudgesicles left. And four kids, and there's some kind of a, Yes, I think it's solved. I think two of the kids are unaware that their siblings are having the fudgicles. So, At least uh, one of the kids is probably aware that fudgicles are, are generally terrible, especially when they have the freezer fuzz on them. Well, of course, this is going to mean that if our if the two kids who are up there now just ate the fudgicles and didn't say a word, it would be fine. But they can't do that. They'll want to laud it over their other siblings. So they're going to Lord go, it over. What's that? You said laud it over it. Unless Lord you're it speaking over. with a... Some kind of a With southern a accent, accent, circa 1930. Okay, whatever. They're, they're going to do that uh, over their sibling just to create havoc. I'm certain of it. The dog is either barking to get in or to get out upstairs. I hope somebody will take care of that. One of the great things being bo- about the summer, being bored in the summer is part of it. Baseball, boring in a good way. Uh, my son and I were watching our son. What the hell? Let's call it our son. Our son and I were watching um, the Dodgers-Rockies game the other night, and you suggested, why don't you teach him how to keep score? Yes. He's 10. He likes math. He just he likes baseball cards. Uh, I just thought it would be something that he would enjoy. The, the ancient art of scorekeeping. And I thought, nobody's going to want to, I mean, even I, nostalgic, old, baseball-loving, nearly deceased dinosaur, don't keep score when watching a baseball game on TV or even in, in, in person anymore, unless I would be in a press box. So I printed a score sheet off, off the internet and um, you know, explained pitchers one, catchers two, first basemen's three, etc. And we scored that first inning was easy. Clayton Kershaw was pitching. There were a couple of uh, guys struck out looking with a backwards K. Explained all this to him. And then he seized the score sheets, took them from me, and started filling them out. And he scored the third through the seventh inning. Then we had to go back, find a play-by-play on the MLB at bat app, and fit, find out what happened in the first two innings so he could fill in those score sheets. And then when we woke up, when he woke up the next day, I made him go to bed. We watched the rest of the recorded game, fast-forwarded through, so he could fill out the scorecards. And then that morning said, can we keep score of another game today? So I actually recorded a game so that he could keep It wasn't score even one of his teams that he likes to watch. It was just a random team. He, he just watched, wanted to keep score. He watched score. baseball so much more intently than he has ever watched a game. Now he knows who guys, you know, who plays that Max Muncy plays second base for the Dodgers. He knows stuff that he has never even, you know, considered before about uh, there were sacrifice bunts and stolen bases and errors and now he knows that a double play is usually a 4-6-3 or a 6-4-3, and it has opened this whole world to him. And I remember I told him when I was a kid, the first I would always try to keep score during the All-Star game. That was one game that you would sit down and watch from start to finish. 
And of course, it's an impossible game to keep score in because they have 25 guys rotating through the lineup who play maybe for half an inning, and there's 19 pitchers, and it's 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 impossible. But um, but he got into it, and and I have to say, it made me uh, it made me happy. Well, I think we we have to keep in mind that yes, our kids would like to do things that we like to do when we were kids, even if it doesn't seem as sophisticated as some of the things that they have a chance to do now. Well, it's more sophisticated, but less entertaining. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's slow and old-fashioned and analog, and you don't think that they would have any interest in it. Well, and, and what made me think that is I took um, our daughters and a couple of their friends for a couple of days up to Cape Cod, and uh, on the ride home, which is about a four-hour ride, the kids never got on their devices, except our oldest daughter who was playing DJ. But uh, for a while, there was no music or anything. They, we had gotten string, and, the, and a couple of the older kids taught a couple of the younger kids how to make friendship bracelets. And they were loving that. So they were just sitting there with their clipboards or their tape and the string making a variety of, of friendship bracelets. And then while we had been at the Cape, we had purchased Mad Libs. And so they were all loving doing the Mad Libs, including our eight-year-old. And um, they just had a great time. This four-hour car ride went by really fast. No one asked to watch anything or play any games on their devices. They were making friendship bracelets and doing Mad Libs. And then um, at the end, as our older daughter was playing DJ, they were all singing at the top of their lungs. And it was was delightful. And it was so much more uh, entertaining for me. And, and I think for them, too, than every single person being on their own device with their, their earbuds in, um, you know, sometimes, you know, we might not introduce something like that because we think they're going to say it's boring when ultimately they love it as much as we did. I, I, they, one of them said to me something about, do you know how to make friendship bracelets? I said, are you kidding me? You know how many hours I spent making friendship bracelets when I was their age? I'm guessing you did not, but you well, played strat. Yeah. You know, uh, stratomatic. You know, you're teaching our son how to how to do a uh, scorecard. I well, bet he, if you taught him how to do stratomatic, he has he'd a love stratomatic like football game, a board game, uh, where you 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 pick cards and roll dice, and it's an NFL board game, um, and you just go back and forth, uh, offense and defense, and it's. He has Madden on the Xbox, which looks like you're controlling real live NFL players, but he likes playing this. And card and dice game every bit as much, if not more, than playing the Xbox. And he had a young friend, one of his uh, friends on his baseball team over a week ago. And it was so much fun seeing these two boys in their bathing suits because they just jumped in a pool. And they were playing this football game with this bowl of popcorn in front of them, you know, dig- digging in. They're laying on their bellies and on they're up on their elbows, eating popcorn, playing this game. Yeah, we have an Xbox in the basement, but that's what they would uh, they wanted to do much more than do the video game. So um, we've got to make just sure come from, they just come from talk about analog, old fashioned, nineteenth century. They just come from they're 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 on a baseball team together in the evening, and they were playing, going to baseball camp every day the last two weeks in the morning from eight until noon. So they were playing basically six hours of baseball a day. Now it wasn't pickup baseball, although it kind of was at baseball camp. Um, but but they were doing what I would have done in Southbrook growing up in the 70s. They were doing in 2019, and the more that we can extend that for the rest of the summer, the better, obviously. And at baseball camp, it was wood bats. I mean, imagine. Yeah. But you know we are at that midsummer sweet spot where the kids are bored, but that boredom manifests itself in an interesting way when 
just tonight before dinner, you went to get them for dinner and they were, they were, I don't know if arguing is the right word, but they were discussing the eight year old and the 10 year old, which is the better commercial jingle. Yes. Uh, it was between what were the two finalists? Our eight year old said, uh, which one's more catchy? Arby's, we have the meats. Or Ace is the place for the helpful hardware folks. And she said, I think Ace is more catchy. It still makes me laugh because I grew up, of course, where it was Ace is the place with the helpful hardware man. Right. I, I like that they've changed that to folks. But yeah, but our eight year old, our 10 year old didn't really weigh in. So I don't know where he stands on it. But our eight year old thinks the Ace. The Ace uh, hardware is I more think, catchy. I think, I think our 10-year-old is still a 588-2300 Empire, Empire Carpet Sky. Oh, sure, but I, yeah. I could be wrong. And lastly, in this kind of throwback world, they went to the library also today, the public library, and dropped them off and picked them up. And in the, in the meantime, they got books. Yeah, our, our oldest, our, not our oldest, but our, our second oldest wanted to go and pick up a book that was is the required reading for her this summer. Her little sister wanted to be there as well. And uh, yeah, they, and, and originally I was just going to um, wait for them because they, you know, we're just going to run in and find these books. And they said, well, we'd kind of like to stay for a while. And uh, they said, but we'll, we'll be OK. And um, so they were at the library by themselves for about 30 minutes and uh, just enjoying the heck out of roaming the aisles and looking at all the different things on the shelves. I don't want to mislead people. They're not content in their own solitude all the time. Well, a couple of them actually are, but um, well, there's something about the independence of being somewhere without your parents. Well, there's, I mean, a, there's also though the requirement of you know be bored. It's okay to be bored. There's nothing to do. Well, then don't do anything, or 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 figure something out to do, or make up a game, or just be alone with your thoughts. And you know, I'm preaching to the choir because anybody listening to this podcast right now is clearly comfortable with boredom, <laughs> right? But you know, I'm a firm believer in that. Well, it was sweet, too, because when I was at Cape Cod with the girls, our, you know, our eight-year-old doesn't have a device or a phone, but she would go out on her bike and put a walkie-talkie in the basket, and, you know, a couple minutes later, she would just check in with me and, uh, you know, Mom, I'm over around the corner, or uh, she'd keep going, Mom, I'm standing here looking at these two rabbits, and they're looking at me, and they're not running away, and just as you know, as it comes through, you can hear it partially through the walkie-talkie. But she was loving that—the independence of riding a bike and being away from mom, but still the security of she could check in with this little walkie-talkie. And it's something you could have done 40 years ago: riding a bike with a walkie-talkie in your basket. Yeah. Now your mother wouldn't have responded 20 years ago, right. 40 years ago. She would have turned the walkie-talkie off, and you would have been talking into the void. I but rem- still, I remember as a kid, I, I must have gotten it for birthday or Christmas, but I so coveted these walkie-talkies, and they were. Star- Star Trek walkie-talkies, and they looked like what were the phasers? Yeah, beam well, me up, Scotty. Yeah, they looked exactly like that, and they barely worked. You know, if my sister and I were on different floors of the house, it wouldn't work. But you if spent, we were in our spent, bedrooms, it would work. And um, you spent three days trying to beam each other up, and it oh, didn't yeah. work. Oh, but just like the just trying to hear what they were saying on the other end of that walkie-talkie was the coolest thing ever. Well, of course, and cell phones weren't even a, a concept. And so the notion that you could walk around talking to somebody else untethered to some base wall unit in the kitchen was was unbelievable yeah and it also had that crackle of you know a cb radio or a police a police radio you know one out of 12 you don't know what i'm talking about but no i do remember i remember that show i mean just think about that in the last 30 years or whatever it is it's gone from i guess yeah 30 35 years you know the crackling of the star trek walkie-talkie to complete strangers who can 
send somebody a tweet, an at reply, and, and have constant uh, or immediate interaction. We're about to do viewer mail. People can email. We've gone from walkie-talkie to uh, the ridiculousness that is um, communication in 2019. I, I like the walkie-talkie better. <laughs> no, really, I <laughs> From don't, now I mean, on, let's with have the exception people... Of, with the exception of viewer mail, which we've solicited these emails, which is great, and we love them, uh, I don't want somebody being able to contact me. I, I was sitting down at, at after dinner tonight, and my phone rang in my pocket, and it was a it was some spoofing call from somewhere that I didn't answer. I don't answer ever answer my phone, but ninety percent of the calls are scam calls. I don't like being able to be contacted at any time you by anybody. You say that, but you know what? Like the times when my cell phone hasn't worked for whatever reason, especially if I'm out driving somewhere, I do feel. I don't know. There's An- anxious. A little bit. It's yeah. terrible. And that's part of the problem. You shouldn't feel anxious. I left my phone at home because it didn't exist for the first 30 years of my life. And I got along just fine. Yes, I think we all I mean, did. I do enjoy hearing from my loved ones. Don't get me wrong. But if my loved ones are telling me that my social which security is, which number. Which is why you don't tell them where you're going yeah, or when you leave. But where my, you are or when you leave. If my loved ones don't tell me that my social security uh, number has been suspended in a, in a robotic voice. Right, right. Uh, I don't think there'll be a curiosity shop this week because young master Gallagher, producer Denny with one N Gallagher, I believe, is on a flight as we speak, an overnight flight to Paris for the Women's World Cup. He's a uh, he's a big soccer enthusiast. Did as you, you know. find out if he's going there for work or for pleasure? I think uh, I think as as um, as a baseball writer I know once said on checking while checking into a hotel in Cleveland at three o'clock in the morning, the most enthusiastic uh, baseball scribe that I had ever encountered, the woman behind the desk said, business or pleasure? And he said, business, but it's a pleasure. <laughs> so Denny has both bases covered. I, I haven't a clue if he does or not, but uh, but I don't think he'll be uh, setting as a curiosity shop from his live flat bed seat in first class on whatever airline he's flying to on the ball and chain expense account. Um, so let's just go straight to viewer mail, shall we? We shall. Big bad look, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Okay, this first one comes in from Brian. He writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, I will have to agree with Steve that once men put a shirt on, its color slash design has been wiped from our brain. We only have so much storage in our cranium. If we remember what we're wearing, how can we remember who played for the Dodgers, Rangers, and Knicks in the same season? Steve, answer please. Well, should we address that first? Of course. First of all, let's address the shirt. They're wearing clothes. Okay, just year. continue to look at me. You're wearing two t-shirts. What does your the bottom, the undershirt look like? The short sleeve. You, you have a, sh- a long sleeve over a short sleeve. What is your short sleeve well, shirt? I, I, I'm... Because I, it's in my field of vision. I know what I'm wearing. I'm wearing a long sleeve white T-shirt with a blue. Right. I'm asking Stadium you what's underneath, underneath it. it. What, oh, what oh, blue shirt, shirt is... from from that says Metropolitan Stadium on it. You were wearing that yesterday too, weren't you? No, no, I was not. I oh. was wearing one that said Met Center yesterday. That was okay, green. Okay, so you're wearing two clean T-shirts today. Right. Good for you. Who played for the Dodgers, Rangers, and Knicks in the same season? A classic. A classic question. That is. I've never heard it. You don't know who played for the Dodgers, Knicks, and the Rangers? No, in the I didn't season? even know it was a classic question. Dodgers are a baseball team, as you know. I do know that. The Knicks were once a basketball team, as you know. <laughs> I do know that. And the Rangers, Rangers remain a hockey season. Hockey. So no, this the New person York Rangers. 
All right, let's hear it. Gladys Gooding, the organist at Ebbets Field and Madison Square uh, Garden. That's a tricky one. It is a tricky one. Eddie Layton, who was the Yankees and the MSG announcer, played for the for the Yankees, the Knicks and the Rangers. And I believe is the uh, the Mozart who wrote dun 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 oh, dun really? who composed that. And so is, if if someone asked who has destroyed the Knicks and the Rangers, the answer would be well, I, I, that's been much in the news this week, and um, Mr. Dolan would certainly um, be the right answer there. Also, writes Brian, Les Nesman famously wore a bandage in every episode of, he doesn't say it, but of WKRP in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. A Band-Aid, really. He didn't wear a, uh, an ace bandage kind of thing. But um, he's referring, of course, to Derek Chivas of Missouri in the 80s. We talked about last week, wore a Band-Aid on his forehead right. or somewhere on his face or his personage, his body, when he I played think, basketball I think everyone uses the phrase personage. Finally, Brian writes, and this is genius, also, he writes, "How did we not combine? How did you not combine Stone Stone Curtis? Of course, comes up every week week as a touchstone, as it were. How do you not combine Stone's wife' potential name to be Tough Schist? <laughs> tough T U F F Schist S C H I S T. What kind of a shelf life do you think the Stone Curtis and all its you know? I don't know, but offshoots but, but have if, as a if, topic of conversation. If on Mrs. The Stone Curtis, whose whose real name I've completely forgotten at this point, right. is listening, for the love of God, please, please, please go straight to the courthouse and change your name legally to Tough Schist. And if you don't do that, go to the tattoo parlor and get a tattoo well, somewhere that says I'm, Tough I'm, Schist. I'm going to go to a tattoo parlor and get Tough Schist immediately. But but I'm going to uh, uh, parenthetically put hat tip to Brian J who came up who who sent this viewer mail tough schist I mean that is that is uh, that's good stuff that's good stuff moving on John with no H and one N writes of course the greatest ball and chain song is that written and originally performed by Willie Mae Big Mama Thornton later popular later popularized by Janis Joplin. And uh, he inclo- he sends the link to, uh, I assume is the YouTube video, of Willie Mae Big Mama Thornton's version, super bluesy, uh, fantastic recording of Ball and Chain. Uh, go to your internet provider and, and find, Google that and, and listen simply, to it. But Willie, okay. Big Mama Willie Mae Thornton, I, ju- I should just add, was the first person I learned today to record Hound Dog. The Lieber and Stoller classic hound dog made slightly more popular by Elvis Presley. This is, you know, as we like the non sequiturs, I have my computer in front of me. It's open to my email. And I just, uh, I, I see a notice from SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, and it says casting notice for Hubie's Halloween. <laughs> what do you think that would be if it was uh, Hubie Brown and his cast of characters? Hubie's Halloween. I when you ring Hubie Brown's doorbell. Yes. And say trick or treat. What do you, Hubie responds with a thirty-minute treatise on the pick and roll, <laughs> or on icing the pick and roll. Something that would be a little bit more obscure to people. <laughs> well, moving on. Hannah writes, "Hi, Stephen, Rebecca. Uh, good to hear that the announcing positions were intentional. I think she felt last week that you were snubbed by being seated behind, behind the benches the bench, when yes. that was kind of the the one-off thing you did that day." Um, is it too early for another question? Of course not, Hannah. Kara Lawson has been in the news recently after taking the assistant coach position with the Celtics. What are your thoughts on that? I believe you've given the, your thoughts on that earlier in the program. Yes, I have. Right? She's going to be terrific, and uh, I'm, I'm eager to see. 
I'm eager to see how the Celtics do. Those, this the Celtics are up against it now that the Nets have kind of swept free. Yeah, but the Celtics agency. got Kemba Walker, so they're, absolutely. They're bringing and, our and UConn Nets, alum home. The Nets won't have the services of uh, Kevin Durant anytime soon. Hannah writes, Rebecca, would you ever would you ever consider a professional coaching career, NBA, WNBA, or otherwise? I'm interested to hear the answer to that as well. No, the W. I I think I've talked about this before. I love coaching youth basketball. I think I would really enjoy coaching high school basketball. Recruiting and the hours that go into coaching college basketball, I think, would be um, a little too much. And then the WNBA, I love broadcasting it. I talked earlier about how much I enjoy it, but coaching is not something that's in my future. Now, Hannah will send swag the next time a batch goes out. Donna, Donna writes, my niece and I love finding interesting outdoor courts and photographing them on our respective travels. In fact, she has an Instagram account of these shots on which I've guest starred a couple of times. That is Hoopitecture, at Hoopitecture. Like that. architecture. Hoop, H-O-O-P-I-T-E-C-T-U-R-E. Oh, that sounds great. A couple of weeks ago, I was on a run in California and came across the attached hoop. And she, there's a picture of a, of a hoop on a playground. It reminded me of the days when most outdoor courts had chain nets. In fact, this one does. Rather than mesh, the sound of swoosh is more like a clang. But you know when you've swished anyway. It also struck me that undoubtedly the chain to which you refer in your pod name and song is not a reference to a, a basketball chain net, but why not have two meanings? Of course, ball and chain, the basketball, the chain net. Yeah, it all works. And you know, you, you'll forward me that picture so I can post it on our Instagram. Um, but yeah, that a public court, the worst kind of um, hoop on a public court. Well, the worst kind would be the double rim and no net at all. Second worst is the double rim and the chain net. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I was shooting hoops before our son's baseball game the other day at a playground where we had replaced the net, but it had the, the, the uh, essentially double wide rim and uh, with a rubber basketball and, and anything that wasn't a swish. And of course, there was a, a light breeze from the southwest at 37 miles an hour. So anything that wasn't a swish was going to rocket into the next county. Donna says, thanks. Uh, she looks forward to Wednesdays and um, I'm happy to be your resident hoopitecturist. Wouldn't it be a hoopitect? If we're keeping the sort of architect, yeah, but it would hoop, be a hoop attack. But hoop attackerist, sure, it's kind of a hoop. That's sort of a hoops and horticulture horticulturist um, combined. And with a bit of bee and sweet swag, I could tag you as I make my way around the country and the world. That would be great, Donna. Uh, as in, in keeping with at least half of the people who request swag, you did not enclose an address. So if you send us an address. We will be happy to send you swag. I've got something here on our Twitter account, which is at Ball and Chain Pod. This comes from Kurt. He says, I was watching a Bogart movie last night. His character was returning from Europe after the war and said all he wanted was, quote, a girl in a sloppy Joe sweater, apparently a common item worn during World War II by young women. He says, mind blown. I'll retweet this, but uh, have you ever heard of a sloppy Joe sweater? I've, I've experienced sloppy joe on a sweater but right. um but no i'm more interested right now in what that bogart movie is but didn't we also get uh, somebody sent us a picture of a made right sandwich they did and i Minnesota? will uh, i will retweet that as well um where they're known not known as sloppy joes or steamers or anything else they're simply known as made rights in in iowa correct we've talked about that in the show before yes sean our, our resident autograph expert our resident grapher right Yes. writes, uh, greetings from somewhere in the New Jersey Turnpike as I head to the latest ballpark to check off on my stadium list, Arm & Hammer Stadium, home of the Trenton Thunder, Yankees AA. You don't have to tell us. We've passed that stadium in Trenton on our way to and from Sesame World, Sesame Place, place in, in uh, outside of Philadelphia. 
Beautiful ballpark. Very little graphing today. A trip more to relax as I listen to the latest pod. My friends in the car are asking uh, if it is me discussing autographs. Nope. I would welcome Rebecca's inquiries on, on autographs by mail, mail graphs as he puts it, and the mysterious knowledge on arrivals. For Steve, the Cleveland Barons, now he sent a picture last last week with Cleveland Barons puck, yep. uh, sadly merged with the North Stars, as you know, depriving Northeast Ohio of hockey. This was in the late 70s, just three years after a blown merger that would have placed the World Hockey Association Crusaders in the NHL. Dennis Marouk uh, is the signature on the puck. Dennis Marouk, for hockey fans out there, uh, will know him. Uh, sadly, the picture of Dwight Schrute that I mentioned on the podcast last week is not signed by actor Rain Wilson, but that picture of Dwight Schrute we should post this picture, was made by his daughter, Sean's daughter, entirely from duct tape. She it's made a, a portrait picture. of Dwight Schrute from The Office, played by Rain Wilson. Made entirely of duct tape. This is what he says. I tell you, the See, thing is I'm telling is you, friendship bracelets, Mad Libs, duct tape pictures. All of this is, is a throat clearing for his question today, which is why, Rebecca, Sean writes, did the WNBA fail in Cleveland from someone that tried desperately to make my daughter a fan, writes Sean, and bought a rocker's pennant for her room only to have her think basketball is stupid. No one's sadder about that than me. I have always wondered why it failed and why the NBA was so quick to place teams in the infancy of the league, yet so fast to not allow those markets to incubate. Well, I don't think it was the NBA's fault. I think early on, you know, there was eight original teams in the WNBA, and the and they were all owned by NBA owners. And so David Stern and the NBA found out who w- would be enthusiastic ownership groups, and they went to those eight cities. And uh, I don't remember how long the Cleveland Rockers were in existence, but my guess would be that at some point um, their owner, Gordon Gund, just said... Um, you know, I, I don't want this franchise anymore. So I don't. I don't think it was a league thing. I think it was a, uh, a single ownership thing. But um, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Somebody asked uh, if I thought the WNBA could succeed in Toronto. And just in the past week, an ownership group has come forward in Toronto. Um, two gentlemen by the name of Daniel Escott and Max Abraham. Daniel Escott? Daniel Escott. Do you think he wears an Escott? I don't know. He Maybe he does. Their intentions to bring the WNBA to the Toronto or greater Toronto area by the 2020 season. So anyway, I've posted a story. By um, next year. Yeah, that, that, that's their hope. So I posted a story on our, our Twitter feed, a link to the story that's uh, that's on Fansided, written by Erica Ayala. And uh, anyway, you can read about it there, but um, that would be pretty exciting. Dear Rebecca and Steve, writes Bob, your simplest of palindromes, Bob, writes Bob, uh, I have come to the conclusion that one of the great cultural contributions of the Ball and Chain podcast is carrying on the New England tradition of analyzing the spelling of names that was started by Tom and Ray Magliazzi of NPR's Car Talk, the great click and clock yes. Car Talk. They often guessed the region of the United States from which a person called based on the spelling of the caller's name. Denny with one N Gallagher is but one example of your passion for parsing the spelling of names. This compelled me, Bob, to Google the following. Onomastics, the study of names. Orthography, the study of spelling. Thank you for your contributions, writes Bob, to onomastic orthography. I've always thought that uh, you will go down as one of the major contributors to onomastic orthography. Onomastic orthography, onomastic which I think, I think we have a sponsor for today's show as well. Uh, P.S. Yeah. writes Bob Graham. No, I have no relation to that slightly more complicated of Graham palindromes Otto. So Otto Graham, the great Cleveland Browns quarterback, 
Bob Graham, both of them with first names that are palindromes. We had a previous letter writer today, Hannah, whose first name is also a palindrome. Let me um, let me read this one. This comes from Chris. And let uh, me just add to Bob. We will get you swag. He's, he sent an address. Go ahead, Beck. Okay. They said, this question was, while you were intentionally stuck behind the uh, bench during the Washington-Atlanta game, as we talked about a little earlier, the question is, were you happily stuck? Do you understand the reference, Steve? I'm, I'm asking you. They asked me if I was happily stuck. I'm asking you if you have any idea what this person's referring to. I believe she's to. referring to, to my comment, made in haste, in an earlier podcast that I was happily stuck in this marriage. I think it was my comment. Oh, was but, it your comment? But I'm glad that you remember. It was your comment for real? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I'm glad that you Wait, remember now I'm it. offended. I'm glad that you remember it being your comment. I'm offended. Your comment. Did you say at first that you were stuck and then you amended it to happily stuck just to try to bail out of it? Probably. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, why didn't you give this marriage time to incubate, unlike the Cleveland Rockers ownership group? I, I certainly don't know. Oh, well, uh, anyway, please give me a heads up if you plan on contracting. Um, Hi, Rebecca and Steve, writes Janice, and I believe this is our last viewer mail we'll get to this week. Um, thanks for sending the BNC coaster swag. You're welcome. My husband and I have watched some WNBA games this season, writes Janice. The new, the, the, the new uniforms are puzzling. Why would you only put the player's number on the back of the jersey? Why would you only put the player's number on the back of the jersey? Seems like a no-brainer that the number should be on the front as well, like in other team sports. My guess is that these new uniforms are a challenge for everyone, especially the referees. Rebecca? The first game that I worked this uh this summer it was actually a preseason game when the Chinese national team played against the New York Liberty and the officials called a foul on someone and uh, they were looking at the player and they made the player turn around because they didn't know what number the player was. I, I don't have any idea why they don't have the numbers on the front. It has to make things much more difficult for the officials when they call the fouls. Um, because the, the, it's less room for advertising right. logos, that's right? part of it and you know it's the new version of the jersey and they want to sell more of them um but yeah I, i'm i don't know if i i like it or not yet i the jury the verdict i guess is still out for me but um but it well, did crack a, me up in that first game for the ref to kind of like do the whole thing like it, you know they twirl. spin their finger the twirl when they're gonna go back and review something on the monitor instead they had to do it so the player would actually turn around probably not a great look for a professional women's league if they have to do a twirl for the referee <laughs> twirl curtsy and then we'll yeah. call the foul well, our son you. did ask recently he said dad why do why do guys do this when they when they sign with a new team like put on a jersey at the press conference and I think he's referring really to, it happens mostly in soccer, I think. And he turned his back and did, hooked his thumbs pointing to his back, you know, like, like right. with the name on the back and the number on the back. Right. That's what the players should do when committing a foul. Immediately turn their back on the ref and, and hook their thumbs at their jersey number, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. P.S. writes, writes uh, Janice, wondered if Steve has experienced a cheeseburg, in quotation marks, and a milkshake at Shady Glen this summer. We've just talked about that's the great summer activities, and we haven't done it yet. That's the third viewer mail we've gotten, people asking if we've gone to Shady Glen. We, we certainly need to do that soon with the kids. All right, this comes in from Matt, who says, B and C Summer BC rolls on. Ball and Chain Summer Book Club rolls on. Just finished book number three on the left, which is a book called Ballpark. And starting number four today on the right, and he has an old-fashioned copy of Road Swing, meaning I don't think he printed it himself or however that works. He has this a, is he a hardcover hard cover, yeah. of Road Swing. Well, God bless Matt. And uh, the, the book Ballpark is by Ball, Paul Goldberger, the architect, architecture, not the hoopitecture, but the architecture writer and critic for the New York Times. And he has a book out about 
American ballparks, which I it's think is pretty ballpark, cool. Ballpark baseball in the American in the American city. I'm still reading the brief wondrous life of Oscar Wow, and when I finish that, I, I'm a I'm a total free agent, and I don't have my next book circling the tower as I usually do. So that's that's kind of a feeling of of. Do you want people to send in suggestions, no, or no, recommendations, no, 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 or no? I mean, they're welcome to do that, but I I'm I I like to pull one out of the ether, and I and I almost never recommend books to people for that reason, but but for what reason? Is, well, because if I don't, you know, want to be told what to read next, which I think gives me uh, PTSD from middle school, you know, you're assigned summer reading kind of a thing. Yeah. Then, then why would I think other people would enjoy that as well? Although I ordered a book off of Amazon uh, a week or two ago, and it came. I don't even remember the name of it. I'm going to um, start reading it soon, though. And you said to me. Uh, Why'd you get that book? I, you no, no, almost, no, I didn't say. I didn't say. I didn't, no, 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 no. That I purchased the book First without all, it's, asking it's, no, your no, input. No, no, it's the book you ordered, up in the old hotel. A collection of Joseph Mitchell, uh, who was a writer for the New Yorker for sixty years, dating back to the thirties. Who's written wrote classic pieces that are enclosed included in that book, including McSorley's Old Saloon about uh, McSorley's uh, Old Saloon Alehouse in in New York. By all accounts, one of the great uh, books of all time. I just was curious why, what, where you heard about it. As as somebody who tries to sell books, I was curious where you heard about it. Oh, there was okay. no accusing I, I got tone. the sense that you were you um, were somehow unworthy of reading that, or that no, it no, was no, somehow no, unworthy no. of you. Oh gosh, even the thought that you would think that that's is what upsetting. I was implying. No, it it was more. I just kind of got the sense that, like. Why? Why would she take a recommendation she got on Twitter or somewhere instead of asking me what the next book is well, that she should read? Now that now that uh, you say that, I, that is the way I feel. Okay. Before uh, Tom Dick and Harry plays us out, which they will be doing in a matter of seconds, they had a very successful gig at Mears Park in St. Paul. I got several people sent me video. They played Stingray. To great success. It's a great song. Riding on my stingray. And uh, that's about all I wanted to say. If Denny, you have any of that video that you would allow me to share on our Instagram. I have it somewhere, sure. I would love to do that. Denny is presumably kiting his way to uh, France as we speak. So for him, for Tom, Dick, and Harry, for anybody else, we need to plug at the moment. Just for you and me. And, and on behalf of ourselves. I love it when people say that. On behalf of ourselves, Tom DeCari. Play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane Six of us and the family pet Live in cuckoo nest Daily grind puts your sanity To a daily test Androgynous and vigorous What we give for a little rest It's day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.